Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Slaying Bulls and Bears, a podcast about economics, markets, investing, politics, and profit. Every Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb now. Good morning, everyone. Monday, June 13th, 2022. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors, otherwise known as EMA. You can follow me intraweek on LinkedIn, Herb Morgan, or on Twitter at ETF underscore strategist.com. This weekly economic and market commentary is also available as a podcast. The name of the podcast is Slaying Bulls and Bears, making complex and complicated simple and sensical. It's available, of course, on all the different podcast formats. Everything you're seeing and or hearing today is designed for use with both financial advisors and investors, their clients. Each, of course, are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained herein should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. This is informational purposes only, and let's get into it. We had a bad year in the equity markets last week. The S&P 500 declined about 5% really culminating with a, with a bad inflation report, CPI report on Friday. Um, this is prompted market participants to think, wow, if inflation just hasn't rolled over yet, the Fed is probably going to have to raise interest rates more or faster. Uh, and that could then lead to an economic uh, recession. We do not, uh, necessarily think that's the case yet. We think the Fed is aware that they've only just begun to raise rates. They're going to continue to do so. Uh, But there's always a lag in what we call policy response. Um, And so we'll get into that here as as we move along. But that's really what drove that sell-off last week. And as I talked about in the LinkedIn commentary, um, you know, once things start going down, programs can kick in, levered players need to sell or get out oftentimes, or they get levered to make the sale and try to play the trend. Uh, but for those of us that are long-term investors, there's really nothing to do here. If you remember last year when markets were going up, 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 we took a couple of steps to, to reduce risk in the portfolios. And I always remind folks, if you're a long-term investor, I, I don't see any value in the strategy of getting out going to cash, changing the strategy, all of those things, which are very legitimate questions because, uh, well, you're, you're all asking me them and you're calling me and emailing me and I, that's fine, keep doing that. But um, in reality, at this point, we've got some cash on the sidelines. We're waiting for that culmination final sell-off. We'll probably put it to work at that time. Uh, until then, I don't think there's anything for anybody to do other than just recognize that uh, you don't wanna be a seller on the, uh, these days and these weeks. So let's get into the economic data from last week, and then we'll look at some market charts uh, towards the end of the presentation. Trade deficit for April surprisingly had a massive drop of about 21 billion, almost 21 billion. It was the largest drop on record. Of course, that's not saying much because it came from the largest deficit on record. You can see that there highlighted the month before. Um, China's COVID lockdowns helped to shrink the deficit with China. But exports rose. That's a sign of economic strength, not necessarily economic recession. And so when you have exports up, that adds to GDP. 
when imports are down, that adds to GDP. So this was actually a double positive for GDP, suggesting that second quarter GDP, which ends June 30th, the quarter ends June 30th, that it is likely that that number is actually going to be pretty decent. But the market sell-off isn't being isn't because of the second quarter number. It's what they're seeing six, nine, 12 months out that potentially the Fed could overshoot and cause and tip the economy into recession. We also saw a massive surge in April in consumer credit, 38 billion. That's on top of a massive $47 billion gain a month. These are positive for GDP, right? People take credit to buy things. To buy things now contributes to the GDP. Revolving credit uh, also had a significant gain, about 18 billion, suggesting that the consumer, because of their level of employment, feels safe and, and secure uh, at this point. Wholesaler inventories continued to rise up 2.2%, not because sales aren't coming out the back end, but because we're making progress on some of the supply chain disruptions. That's sort of being missed as much in the news uh, because of uh, obviously the inflation numbers, which is what's driving everything right now. It's all about inflation. But building of inventories is also a signal of increasing and in growth in GDP. Weekly claims for initial unemployment remain very low, 229,000. That's up from the prior week. But as I've said over and over, below 300 is a healthy jobs market. Low 200 is very healthy. You get below 200, you're almost, you're getting really inflationary. So in a sense, this little jump to 230, if it were to stay there, would be, uh, would be a little bit of a relief valve on some of the wage pressures that companies uh, are facing. So and continuing claims remain incredibly low uh, at 1.3 million. So this is the one, this was Friday's report. This is what got everybody um, upset. So let's start with here, let's start with the blue. That's the headline CPI number. That's the one that everybody's talking about. Remember the prior month that had come down a little bit. In other words, the year over year change was lower. Not that it actually prices came down, but we had uh, this month it was back up a 1% and the year over year hit 8.6, which was just a tad over two months earlier. You can see that and that became a 40 year high. If you break it into the components, there were quite a few components that didn't have big increases, but we had a massive surge in energy prices. Energy prices tend to be the most volatile, the most elastic. They can go up the fastest, but they can also come down the fastest. So the Fed's measure of inflation is core. They actually use core PCE, but what was reported on Friday was core CPI. That number on a year over year basis actually declined. You can see the decline right there on the right. So typically the, the blue, so it goes down more and then up more. So the pattern is not really changed. I don't think, now the Fed's gonna meet this week, but I don't think that Friday report causes them to panic into a 75 basis point hike, but it becomes a possibility at this point. I do think they pass uh, on that. Michigan sentiment, that's how you and I, it's consumers, how do we feel about the economy? It fell to the lowest reading ever. So here we are with massive employment, uh, greatest job opening versus all of that, yet we're at the lowest level of confidence ever on the series, and that is because 100% because of inflation and those gasoline prices.
So let's talk about politics for a second. If you're the party in power in the House and the Senate and the executive branch, I don't care which party you're in, if you get a um, if you get an all-time low on consumer sentiment and it's driven by gasoline prices, something that affects voters and everybody significantly, you can either fix it fast, I don't think there's a fast solution to this, or you can expect massive losses uh, at the ballot box in the midterm election. So I had originally said 35 to 50 House seats go uh, from Democrat to Republican, because Democrats are the ones in power while this is happening. I think that number is now a minimum of 50 seats. And I also think there's a possibility now, and I said prior that the Senate was not in play. I do think that there is enough economic malaise uh, that the Senate could also be in power. That being said, there is no presidential election. We will not have one power control. Markets tend to prefer to not have one power control. Because when you do, that party can move, you know, towards some of its more base desires, uh, you know, whatever that party is, and markets tend to prefer to know what the rules of the game are, tax rates, et cetera, what, what's probably not going to be changing. Okay, let's get into some of uh, the market. This is a beautiful graph here, chart, graph chart of the S&P 500. We are now officially as of this morning, bear market territory, bear market being defined as a 20% pullback from an all-time high. I always put this in perspective. Let's go back. Red represents recessions. This is the 08-09 recession, which this was a complete insolvency of the world financial system, unemployment, very weak demand, nothing like today, and we had a 57% decline in the S&P 500. Um, then we had a 20% decline or almost 20%. You can see here uh, a little bit later, 2011 without a recession. We had about a 15 percenter here in 15 without a recession. And then if you remember in 18, as the US uh, government was aggressively negotiating trade agreements, we had a massive sell-off, which was about 20%. Then we had the COVID world economic shutdown drop of 30% in the S&P. I put today's fear of interest rates and inflation, I don't think it's as severe as a COVID shutdown. I don't think it's as severe as the global financial crisis of 08. So we're probably getting reasonably close to where that bottom could be. No way to say for sure, obviously, uh, but we've had a pretty aggressive sell-off. The other thing is that the thing that tells me where it could go down a little bit more, it could go down to this 3350 range, is just because the, the ascent after the last recession was so steep and so sharp and so unabated in the forcefulness of its rise, it seems almost healthy to have this retracement that we're having. It's not fun, don't get me wrong, um, but you've now got really great companies that are down 25, 30% that are um, you know, well capitalized, well able to withstand economic cycles that are really, really getting inexpensive. So um, we've gotta be getting close. Okay, uh, let's take a look at the bond market. The other thing that's happening is a bond market selling off today on fears that the Fed is going to hike significantly more. This is the, a graph of the yield on the 10 year US Treasury. 
we had gotten to 320 here. This 320, 330 range, this was the high yield back in 18. The economy was doing well. Fed was slowly raising interest rates. Um, and then of course COVID came along and we got all the way down to a half a percent yield on the 10 year US Treasury. Um, this is a sharp sell-off. It's an unsustainable rate of sell-off. So I think we're getting close now to that peak on that 10 year yield. When I say peak, I'm talking about maybe for the year, uh, but we'll see if inflation continues to come in hotter and the Fed ends up raising more Then obviously uh, that rate could go higher, especially if inflation expectations go back up. But here's a graph of inflation expectations. So blue, dark blue is the two year. And you can see it got up almost to 5% back in March, started coming down. And now they're back to about 4.3, 4.4. So not back to where we were in March yet, but the stock market's reacting pretty aggressively. And then you can see the five-year break even now is still here around 385, 390. Um, I'm sorry, that's 313. And then the 10-year inflation expectations down here at 275. 275. So um, 313 on that one because it's on the other graph. Uh, anyway, point is uh, inflation expectations in the market, at least so far, haven't gone to new highs. Speaking of inflation expectations, what's really the market's all about right now is Fed expectations. So Fed expectations, this is a little bit busy, but we have the meeting in two days, June 15th. If we define a hike cut as um, one is 25 basis points. You can see that the market is implying and betting on two, which is 50 basis points this week, with a small chance, about a 30% chance, that we get three, which is 75 basis points. I believe, given that the Fed chairman said we haven't even really talked about 75, that there's no way he's going to surprise the market with 75. If it's on the table at all, it's on the table for July or September because he is historically has always prepared the market. So the speech on the 15th is going to be important. The statement, the comments, whether or not anybody's advocating for 75, all of that will be important on that day. As of right now, 50 basis points this week, 50 basis points, July 27th, no meeting in August, and then September still looking at another 50. But again, if markets continue to blow out, um, that, that has a, deflationary impact. Um, so it's just almost too far out. Believe it or not, September is almost too far out. Okay, let's take a look at economic data this week. Um, nothing scheduled today. One of the reasons the market can go crazy on that inflation news from Friday. And of course, the crypto sell-off over the weekend, which is continuing today. Tuesday, uh, tomorrow, PPI. Expect similar news to CPI, small business optimism. Uh, Wednesday, retail, New York State manufacturing, import and export prices, inventories, housing. So one of the things is obviously interest rates are now continue to go higher for mortgages, 30 years over five and a quarter now. Uh, that's taken a lot of buyers out of the market. Housing sentiment, though, still expected to be very high at 68. Um, I, we talked about FOMC, weekly claims, housing starts and permits, Philly Fed to go along with the New York survey and then industrial production utilization on Friday. So we don't really get into earnings until, you know, first, second week of July. 
Uh, and then we start with the financials, then we move into tech. Question is how resilient is tech going to be and how much downward guidance are we going to get? The analysts that uh, come up with the consensus, they report them into say Bloomberg as an example, those earnings estimates are really stuck at all time highs and they're not coming down. Uh, it's not to say they won't come down. So the guidance that we get in July will be fought, latched onto and followed by the analysts. And we, we, I think we'll see earnings estimates come down a tad. There's an outside chance that tech earnings are just so darn good, as they always usually are, that we don't get much of a downward there. But as of right now, looking at the market behavior, interest rate hikes, probably peak margins, probably peak earnings, We've already raised a little cash. Stocks are now cheap. No point in uh, taking any further action. Okay, thanks everybody. Talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Slaying Bulls and Bears. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, go to www.efficient-portfolios.com and join our mailing list. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate us online, and share with a friend if you found this helpful. See you next week.